0: UFO Thinker Podcast Hello and welcome back to the UFO Thinker Podcast, part of the Colin Albines Cab Network. My name's Frank, and let's get cracking. So here we are in January 2024, the beginning of a new year, the beginning of a new era, we'll see. Um, So far, all quiet on the Western Front, really, to be honest with you. Um, There's a few things I've been thinking about, a few things that have been going on, which I'm going to be, be talking about. But I think the episodes that I did just before Christmas, which if anyone's not had a chance to have a listen to, by the way, definitely recommend you go back and check that one out. I know um, generally speaking uh, it's a busy time for everybody with family and you perhaps don't want to be sitting around the Christmas tree listening to UFO podcasts so um, not everybody will have had a chance to uh, to hear it and uh, I just want to recommend it to anybody who, who hasn't the Christmas episode we do um, we've done for the last couple of years and it's the ghost of Christmas past present and future and each of those ghosts. Um, in the spirit of uh, Charles Dickens, A Christmas Carol, of course, each of the ghosts is a different guest. So we had the fantastic Graham Rendell, um, kind of one of the, you know, probably the forefront, um, you know, foremost kind of author uh, of historic UFO, um, you know, literature and uh we're really lucky to have graham on talking about some lesser known cases which actually weren't in any of his books some of the cases that didn't that didn't go into the book so you won't have heard about those cases before so really really interesting to check out and um, the ghost of christmas present was uh, uh our own uh, dave smethurst and um the ghost of christmas future in this case was matt ford from the good trouble show uh, and each with their own perspectives on what's gone before about UFOs where we're at, at the moment and um, where we're going to end up as, as we move forward so just wanted to add that in there because I know not everybody gets a chance to listen um it's all about ufos you know it, there's a bit of a kind of slight tongue-in-cheek aspect to it but it is all ufo based so definitely worth a check out even though it's not christmas anymore um apart from the occasional sound of sleigh bells uh, there's plenty of ufo stuff in there to get stuck into as well but anyway on to where we're actually at, at the moment then. As, as i was saying i think what we discussed on that episode like where we've come from and where we are now and where we're going um not really a lot has moved along the big things that we're anticipating for january of course is dave grush has got an op-ed like an opinion piece article that he's been talking about uh, releasing now i'd heard that that was going to be the first week of january and anyway here we are as i record this we're at the end of that first week of january and no sign of it just yet um but as um as I've heard, it is still on the way, but um, there are some slight delays. I think Ross Coltart was talking uh, about this on one of his recent podcasts. Obviously, Ross Coltart being a key player in actually bringing Grush forward and doing his first interview on News Nation and that kind of thing. Um, so Ross um, uh, apparently has heard, presumably directly from Dave Grush, that um, that is actually going to be coming out a little bit later down the line now, but he's still on the way. And apparently there's some further things that have been uh that, that have been cleared by DOPSA uh, that he's going to be able to speak about as well and um, very interestingly I saw earlier on today about a clip um where Dave Grush is actually being asked about um his uh, you know his direct knowledge as it were it was a news nation interview um and he, he goes on to talk in, in that about how he wasn't initially cleared to discuss this but he was actually directly read in to um to a government ufo program which is really really interesting and and presumably what he's actually looking to put in his op-ed relates to that in some way but obviously the extent of what he's able to say and things like that will will, will, only time will tell but i mean the specific wording from uh dave grush on uh, the news nation interview that i'd heard was that um he is allowed to discuss generally that he was read into a uap related program directly so very very interesting um and further details of of who has has passed on some of this information and given him leads when he was uh, during his his role investigating um ufo was basically broadly on behalf of the the government itself um it's come to light that I think it was some um, some Facebook comments from Eric Davis. Uh, he's actually now uh, come forward and said that he was one of the people who had actually spoken to Dave Grush um, and was able to give him the leads of where to look, of course, which was then followed up on by Grush. So it's really interesting to see how little bits more information are coming forward about um, what, what exactly Dave Grush was involved in and the extent of what he was able to see. And um, I think we're going to see more and more of that through the year and I can't emphasise the importance of um what Dave Grush is saying. We talked about this a lot on the pod. Um, of course, because it's such a big story. It was arguably I don't even think there's much of an argument against it, that, that Dave Grush coming forward was the big UFO story of twenty twenty three. Um and obviously um, the very limited information was able to be actually kind of brought forward about details, but I think we're gonna to start to see some some hints as to what those details might be that get revealed um, in the coming weeks and in the op-ed and and probably even further going forward. Um, And Dave Grush has has actually also been out and about. Um, Just realised if anybody's not up on who Dave Grush is by this point... um, you can go back and check out i've done plenty of episodes about dave grush uh, over the course of the last year and there's plenty of information online if you just type david grush ufo whistleblower or something like that you'll be able to find out i'm not going to rehash that now because i've already talked about it in significant detail (laughs) so i don't think anybody needs to hear all that again Um, but you can go back and check out episodes and things if you want to get some background Um, but as i say it's so important to remember that this is somebody who was very recently, literally over the last few years, given a role, an official role within the U.S. government, to actually go around with accesses, with proper clearances, and find out, you know, what's going on with this thing. You know, is there a program that's operating? Are there multiple programs that are operating outside of oversight? Um, what's the extent of what is known, and what's the extent of what's being held? And he was in a unique position. Um, which i think is absolutely you know it's, it's not in any doubt that he had this position you know we're not talking about somebody who's just kind of a, a random guy who's appeared on doing podcasts and things like that and you can't verify his background none of that's the case this is somebody who's the real deal he is who he says he is he did what he said he did and as part of his investigations he's essentially and this is the crux of it he's essentially verified key aspects of ufo law things that have been you know just dis- oft discussed and i think therein lies the problem in some ways with grush is that people are you know people are perhaps who are not really up on the nuances of exactly what's going on they'll just hear some of the things that he's saying and be like well we've already heard that years ago but the really important point at least for me is that we're not just hearing this from yet another person um, who's just talking about it and you know going over the same points. And um, it's somebody from that background, that verifiable background, um, is talking about these things, and therefore there's a lot more weight to it. Now, is he bringing forward photographs of the craft of the bodies? Is he, is he, you know, bringing forward like kind of evidence himself? No, and the reason for that is because all of that evidence, of course, would be highly classified, and he's not going to. Um, you know put his own safety and and legal position at risk any more than he already has done Um, but we do have to remember that the background of this individual is the the key point here anyway so dave grush has been out and about and according to some posts on social media that i've been following um he's been in uh, new york city and he apparently has given a private presentation of some type to around 60 people, which was organized by a quote unquote Wall Street bigwig. Um, and some of the points now, bearing in mind, this is just a post on social media, which I haven't seen this presentation, certainly wasn't there, um, but it's very interesting information. Um, but apparently, uh, this is the unverifiable bit, you know, but still very interesting. He's apparently been able to say that an adversary country is considering UFO disclosure to get ahead of the US. That the non-human intelligence related to UAP look like the typical grey alien. And that the US has a UFO craft with a diameter of approximately 40 feet, but when a person goes inside it appears to be the size of a football field, and this craft is able to produce a terawatt of energy. And the final point is that only about 50 people know the full extent of the nature of the UFO phenomenon. And he's also saying apparently in this presentation that he himself is still hopeful for UFO disclosure to happen. So very, very interesting. And there's a a few things in there that I'm not sure about personally. Now, we'll go through these points because I think this is uh, important to, to get into. So, the first one there, an adversary country is considering UFO disclosures to get ahead of the US. If Grush actually can can verify that, I would I would want a lot more information about how how that information is. You know, how how do we know this? Uh, you know, I presume that that would be China. I suppose there's a possibility that it could be Russia, um, but it's got to be one of those. I would I would imagine with it being adversary country, there's not you know i think the big players here are russia and china let's just say um but as i say i don't know for sure that grush has definitely said this it's certainly not a direct quote i've not heard him say it but it sounds very interesting and if that is the case um i'd be i'd be it'd be it'd be good to get a bit of the background about where that information has come from even vaguely uh, obviously we're not going really to know the specifics but um yeah that's that one the non-human intelligence related to uap look like the typical gray alien now that's not entirely unexpected but what grush has talked about previously um is that the biological analysis is is very some of them are very different to what we what we are familiar with and the the biological analysis that took place the doctors were a bit baffled they didn't even know where to start now obviously that would relate to some of the morphologies and to me in some ways, those are the most interesting ones because we all know what a grey looks like. It's part of our pop culture, isn't it? You know the the alien grey uh, has been in countless movies and things like that, and you know it's not entirely unexpected. It's kind of what everybody thought an alien would look like, I suppose, at this point. Um, but it's it's a little bit of an insight if this indeed is you know something that has been said by Grush, and I would imagine that these same points, if they are what's been discussed at this. Uh, presentation i would imagine that so, at least some of these points would also make it into the op-ed so we'll see um could this be an indication of what ends up being in the op-ed when we finally get it again time will tell won't it perhaps not perhaps all of this will be completely discredited and none of it will be in the uh in the op-ed but i just thought it was interesting enough to to mention even if even if some of these points turn out to be not accurate it's still interesting to consider um and what this kind of points to is that you know the the various morphologies that's something that that grush has has discussed in the past Uh, some of them clearly look like the typical alien gray and as we know from some previous interviews where he's mentioned that um people experts didn't even know where to start when when talking about them it would certainly appear that some of them are totally different to what you might expect those i think are the most fascinating ones and um i I know i've I've spoken about this on social media with a few listeners um that's very intriguing to me it's kind of been you know going around in my head what biological entity could could be so different and so weird in terms of its its biological makeup that we don't even know where to start when a doctor is looking at it i mean like some kind of octopus type thing or what, what are we talking about here like some kind of combination of technology you know n- metamaterials kind of all mixed in with biological material the one that i always kind of end up thinking back to is some kind of just biological blob which somehow tethers the consciousness to the vehicle or something like that you might not need a body you know if technology gets sufficiently advanced perhaps you still have to have some biological aspect but why would you need arms and legs if technology can do that for you perhaps you know with sufficient development you may find that some entities kind of go down that direction, you know. And that certainly would be pretty difficult to make any sense of, especially if you're not used to, you know, non human uh biological entities, shall we say. The the next point there, the US has a UFO craft with a diameter of forty feet and when it goes inside, obviously you know, the concept of an alien vehicle, a non human piece of technology having that ability goes all the way back, you know, decades, all the way back to Doctor Who and the TARDIS. Um, I suppose, you know. Um and of course, you know, there's plenty of people in the in the thread there uh, commenting on on this particular post saying, Oh, it's just Doctor Who and the TARDIS, you know, it's science fiction and all the rest of it. But, you know, it's certainly something that we've heard people like Danny Sheehan talk about, who Danny Sheehan's certainly not afraid to um, to go into some of the more kind of uh, out there aspects and uh, lay his cards on the table, as it were, um, with, with some of those uh, types of things. Certainly he says a lot of things and certainly the people that he's associated with in the past and some of the work that he's done i've got a lot of respect for danny sheehan but um he says things sometimes that even i go oh, hang on a minute like what 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 are we saying now but you know it, it begs the question you know just because something's been in science fiction that doesn't necessarily mean that it couldn't be a real thing it certainly would be very useful wouldn't it if you could If you could design a vehicle that is small, but then when you go inside, it's huge. I I want one of those. You know what I mean? (laughs) So the reason I say that, though, is that it stands to reason that if it is a very useful innovation and technology keeps advancing, it sort of stands to reason that it may happen. A good example of it is things like the um, communication devices in Star Trek. Um, You know, I remember watching that as a kid. I'm old enough to, to remember what it was like before phones, before mobile phones. Um, And I remember seeing those and thinking, yeah, that kind of thing will never happen. And lo and behold, now you can FaceTime anywhere in the world on a little device that you hold in your hand, exactly like what was in Star Trek. Now, did the writers of Star Trek have a glimpse into the future? No, it was just, wouldn't that be amazing if we could do that? It'd be very, very useful. And obviously, you know, when technology catches up with our imagination, we we invent that because it would be very good to have. Perhaps the same kind of thing goes for, for things like this, the TARDIS effect, if you will. Um, and also the the other thing that made me consider is we hear people like Danny Sheehan who supposedly heard things from people who he considers to be very credible and that kind of thing and it's tempting to sort of look at it as though you know it, it just sounds so far out I'm just not going to engage with it but if somebody actually had those kind of insights into what was going on it might be that far out you know, it's like it's not going to be ordinary is it? if we're talking about advanced non-human intelligences that are potentially, you know, many thousands of years, maybe even millions of years further along in advancement than, than human beings. Things like, you know, aspects of, of that phenomenon and the technology associated with it, with that kind of intelligence would would seem so far out that it just seems completely bizarre and wacky you know, and it's worth considering, you know, obviously, I'm not suggesting that we should believe everything that we hear, because certainly not, but it's just an interesting thought, you know, things that might sound absolutely bizarre to us now, it's not entirely unexpected that an extremely advanced society would have abilities that seem like magic and absolutely bizarre to us, you know, it's the old classic quote, isn't it, you know, a sufficiently advanced technology will seem like magic, if you could show an iPhone to somebody only a hundred years ago they would think it was magic you know that is really quite amazing isn't it if you go back to nineteen twenty four before t v the internet mobile phones it just have a think back what it was like in nineteen twenty four i mean if you if I'm sure you weren't around uh but I, I certainly wasn't you know Uh, if anybody is listening to this and you were around in 1924 then congratulations on a very long life Um, but just think about what 1924 looked like you know the the technology that existed back then an iphone and, and an iWatch and all these kind of crazy advanced technologies that we have access to would seem like magic and that's only 100 years so worth considering i suppose and the final point that was mentioned there is that only about fifty people know the full extent of the nature of the UFO phenomenon. It, you know, it's kind of what I would expect. It, you know, it stands to reason. Now, is that good enough? Kind of um, good enough reason to just take that face value and go, okay, then? No, of course not. But it does stand to reason, and a lot of these points that I've just mentioned are kind of common UFO discussion points you know an adversary might try and get disclosure done ahead of the us you know gray's in the craft craft that have got the tardis effect that can also i forgot to mention the craft is able to produce a terawatt of energy which is um i don't even know where to start with that number to be honest it's one with 12 zeros after it it's a lot of electricity anyway put it that way Uh, and the fact that about 50 people know the extent of the the ufo phenomenon all of these things stand to reason based on my past analysis of you know ufo talking points and discussion points and what's come out through various documents and all of those things is what i would have expected now there's two ways to look at that is this just somebody recycling the old talking points um, using it to make a name for themselves you know i've got a bit of a background in intelligence so i'll just say what everybody wants to hear i can understand why people think that but i would suggest that there's a more interesting point here which you know in my opinion is is what's going on here which is that a lot of these talking points are based on incremental gains of knowledge for decades and decades from ufo researchers and that broadly the good research that's been done cuz there's bad research and there's people who are grifters who are just trying to make money um you know uh, you know quickly and, and con people and there's plenty of promotion on the internet on on you know wherever whatever corner of the internet you look at there's there's people who try to make money off fake ufo videos and you know stories and, and all the rest of it people have cottoned on to the fact that you can have a book deal or a movie deal if you you know that kind of thing and there, uh, that there is that aspect of it as well but there's been a lot of very very good researchers over the years as well and they've been in contact with insiders they've been in contact with people you know who have had deathbed confessions that you know information has leaked out in documents and of course the waters are muddy but i would like to to think that the, the good research has certainly pointed towards if not completely verified certain common themes and a lot of those points that i mentioned earlier are pretty much the common themes that have been discussed and somebody who has had that inside access who was given a job within the us government within bearing in mind the part of the us government that was not aware of the details you know congress has has cottoned on to the fact that there is a massive public interest this individual with an intelligence background with an analysis background has gone into all of these various corridors knocked on doors asked people or or told people you know you have to tell me what you know about this this and this and he's interviewed over 40 witnesses and what he's learned in that position, which let's be honest, that's the position that we all want. You know, if you're a UFO um, you know, enthusiast, if you will, if you're somebody who's interested in this topic and curious about this topic and you've you've spent time, you know, trying to get your head around this, that what Dave Grush did is what we want to be doing. I would I want that badge to be able to go around those corridors and find out what's really going on on, on the other side of that curtain of secrecy. Dave Grush actually did that. And his conclusion, after two years, after gathering fact files and putting you know detailed dossiers together of information and presenting that to the you know inspector general to presenting that, taking people who he's interviewed to congressional committees and, and briefing members of Congress about this, all of that pointed towards the fact that some of these commonly discussed UFO points are broadly accurate and that is really quite fascinating isn't it to think about of course there's plenty of other aspects of the ufo conversation that are probably complete you know bs but it does seem that we're getting the strongest indication yet that those key points that we've heard about in the past you know are broadly accurate and the next step of course is is further information coming out which can more you know more thoroughly point towards those as being you know, absolutely correct. Um, and we don't, we don't really have that yet, but we've got the strongest indication yet that all of those points are, are accurate, which is absolutely fascinating to think about. And it really begs the question as well of, you know, what what type of intelligences are visiting us? You know, the, the concept of some of them looking like the typical grey is it's almost kind of underwhelming you know it's like wow well, well we sort of knew that you know <laughs> the verification is great but it's like my my little girls are two and four and they both know what an alien looks like you know they watch kids programs not that i show them anything because i certainly don't want to scare them um with with anything alien related that, that i would perhaps watch but even the little children's programs cartoons that they watch have got alien characters and storylines and flying sources and things in them and as soon as they come on the screen my, my two-year-old daughter she she knows to say alien she only knows about 20 30 words and one of them is is alien um and it's it's fascinating to think how ingrained the look of these beings has become in our society despite no actual you know acknowledgement from those who we look to in society to provide answers such as science and the government and things like that, um, and, and religion, um, you know, there, there's no official acknowledgement yet we all accept that that's what aliens look like. And if it does, it eventually, you know, get to some kind of a disclosure moment where there is an official acknowledgement from either science, government, or religion, because I think any one of those three, would be extremely significant and could count as disclosure. If, if think of it this way, if the Vatican came out and said, all right, we're opening our files, this is what we know, you know, that could be one of those moments where the, the wider kind of population wake up to this as a reality. It's, it's funny, isn't it? How we accept this image of, okay, that's what aliens look like, that's what the vehicles they ride in look like. We accept that completely um unanimously across societies across cultures all over the world but yet we're kind of waiting for one of those groups whether it be religion science or government to officially say all right yeah that's what it is you know that's what disclosures kind of is isn't it we accept these things as part of our culture as part of our you know global knowledge as a species but yet we're waiting for that moment you know um right kind of rightly so you know i'm not saying that that i completely accept anything as fact until you know i've seen the receipts as it were but you know i certainly haven't had any experiences myself so obviously i understand that people who have and you know it's different depending on what you yourself have witnessed of course but You know, then again, even a lot of people who I've spoken to have experienced things firsthand and had very kind of upfront experiences, you know, that they absolutely have no prosaic explanation for. They want answers as well. And it's very likely that the government that, you know, perhaps religion and science um, can can provide those answers. Those are the three areas that we look to in society to, to provide answers about the universe, our place in the universe, the meaning of life, all that kind of thing. So even people who've had experiences in in a lot of cases don't really understand what they experienced, and you know perhaps that's by design, but certainly there is still that longing for that confirmation from those that we look to for confirmation of these kinds of things. But what it makes you consider is when we hear about the different types of um, you know morphologies and the fact that some of them are, are so different to us and and that kind of thing is. What's really going on with the nature of this interaction? It's something that I've been pondering a little bit during my Christmas break. Um, you know, sat there with a with a whiskey in front of the fireplace. You know, um, next to my Christmas tree, smelling the, the the festive scents wafting across the room. You know, of, of all the lovely food and uh, uh, and nice things that you get to experience during that time of year um and obviously some of that is is a little bit of a reduction in workload and a holiday and certainly gets your mind going about some of these things um and the nature of the interaction that's going on obviously can vary depending on the group that is interacting with humanity but it's 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 really interesting to consider how a very very advanced non-human intelligence would interact with us how they even could interact with us i i remember reading um an article it was actually avi Loeb, um the uh harvard professor who is you know founder of the galileo project and who has been quite active in in looking into this this topic and and you know to his credit been very willing to be outspoken about certain speculations and and that kind of thing um I think, it's safe to say there's a few question marks around the Galileo project at this point. Um, however, still very interesting individual, and somebody who I'd very much like to speak to uh, one day um, about about some you know certain things. But but Avi Loeb has has certainly put an article together um, a little while back. I tried to find it, but he's very prolific on his. Um, on his Medium page, and he he comes out with several articles a week. I have no idea how he finds the time to do that with all the other things he must be doing. Um, but very interesting read actually. A lot of his articles just quite speculative, and then attempts to. Uh, bring science into the equation to figure out whether or not that could actually be a viable thing uh, which is which is really interesting i find it a great read i don't often um you know i don't read every article because they're so they so often but really worth a, a look at if you just type in avi Loeb medium you'll find his page and um, but there was one where he'd actually done a calculation to it's kind of an expansion of the drake equation you know are we alone in the universe and that kind of thing um and this particular calculation that he, he had done was to understand whether it's likely that if we were to come across life that they would be at a similar level of development to us um, and and the answer to that was a resounding no because the chances of other life developing at the exact same rate as us and just so happen to be at the same level of development when they run into us and we're comparable in terms of our levels of development is extremely slim. The fact is, you know, if we were able to go and visit other life, you know, it's quite likely that we would find life forms that are not able to venture out into the wider universe at that point otherwise they may have already done so and um, of course they may be extremely advanced compared to where we are but if that was the case they may have just decided not to interact with us for whatever reason that that of course um is also true but the point is it's it's extremely unlikely that at the point where we have an interaction with a non-human intelligence that they would be at the same level of, of development as us um and when you actually look at the the you know the the maths behind it that that does actually stack up now if that's the case it could be very possible that the life form that we interact with or the non-human intelligence that we act, interact with is is significantly more advanced than us to the point of i was mentioning nearly about 1924 and how iphones and the internet and siri and all the kind of teslas and crazy technology that we have these days which is a fascinating thing to see unfold in its in its in its own right completely separate to anything to do with ufos or or is it you know i suppose that's another question for another day but the point is even a hundred years ago what we have now would have seemed like absolute mind-blowing magic to somebody um you know back in 1924 and if you go back another hundred years another hundred years even more so um and what would that be like in a thousand years with the rate of advancement of ai at the moment with how how ai is influencing manufacturing the you know the layering of materials and and everything that ai can do in terms of analysis and computer modelling and things like that it is absolutely unbelievable to think where we'll be in another 10 20 30 years let alone another say 10,000 years if we don't get wiped out by some kind of unexpected meteor if we don't get wiped out by ourselves or some version of ai or, or whatever it might be that you know various sticky ends that we could meet if we don't meet those sticky ends. I mean I was going to say can you imagine where we'll be in 10,000 years but the answer to that is no. We can't imagine where we're going to be in 10,000 years. It's impossible. Nobody could have imagined, you know, nobody could have imagined um in 1924 what we have now. I suppose technically, you know, Star Trek kind of imagined it as i I mentioned earlier on certain things you could dream up but it would seem so far-fetched and so wacky and out there and then 100 years later 50 years later whatever it might be it's a reality really quite amazing to think what level a non-human intelligence that interacts with us could actually be at at that point in time and the question is here is that how would a, a, a massively advanced intelligence how would they interact with us you know what if they are entirely tech based would that mean that they don't even have a motivation to interact with us what could they gain at that point would they even have that curiosity that we as humans have you know we have these kind of i suppose you could say flaws these kind of nuances these things that drive us you know perhaps uh, uh, an ai intelligence would dispense with those and there wouldn't be a need for you know, the, some of the things that, that we have, such as you know, curiosity about the origins of biological species. Maybe they're just not bothered in, about that. Maybe there are a lot more fascinating things out there in the universe that they can um, spend their time on. Bearing in mind an artificial intelligence life form wouldn't actually experience time in the same way, at least potentially, as, as what we would. If they don't have any kind of biological aspect they could just live indefinitely and keep repairing themselves and you know they would experience time therefore in a completely different way to what we do obviously we we are hum- as human beings are born you know we looked after for the first 10 15 20 years of our lives and then you know we, we kind of grow continually learning new things and new skills and and having new experiences and a, a non-human intelligence you know, that was entirely technology-based wouldn't really have that journey. You know, they would very quickly get access to all the information that that is known by the the sort of biological parent species. Like, for example, if we actually gave birth to a a sentient AI, an AI that was, you know, completely self-aware, that could, could learn and be its own entity, it would quite quickly consume all the information on the internet, store that, take what it needs from it, um, do whatever analysis it needs to do and then, and then build from there, enhance its own capabilities. you know would, would an AI life form in that way create sensor systems to detect parts of the visible light spectrum and the audible um, sound spectrum that, that we can't even perceive? I've talked about this on the podcast lots of times you know a, an artificial intelligent um, entity. You know, wouldn't be limited to seeing things and hearing things the way that we as humans do. You know, there is no concept of that. If you're not limited at all, um, the human visible range is is a set band. You know, we can't see infrared, for example, but you know, certain species, I believe, actually can. We certainly can't hear um, certain parts of the audio spectrum, but bats communicate exclusively in that part of the audio spectrum that human beings aren't even aware of. it's it's loud there are loud sounds going on all the time from bats and they fly around and they fire these sound sound waves um out of out of their biological being but human beings can't even pick up on that now an ai could hear everything in the audio spectrum you know it could potentially come up with essentially microphones which would act as the ears you know cameras and you know various different visual sensors that would act as the as the eyes and where does that line of progression end up you know you're talking about i mean is is there something beyond that you know sensor systems that can actually feed information about the universe back into the the artificial intelligence that that we don't even really understand and if if a species was that advanced bearing in mind it could learn at a rate that we can't you know that that is you know completely on a different scale to what human beings can learn it what does that even look like i mean we can't figure out where we're going to be in 100 years 100 years ago humans would have been mind blown by what we can do now another 100 years we can't even think what that's going to look like um, I mean, like, what is travel going to look like in 100 years? What is the technology we communicate with each other going to look like in 100 years? If, if these Neuralink type technologies come into play, we may end up actually enhancing our own sensory capabilities and be able to, you know, experience a much wider spectrum of visuals and sound. What does that do to all of our art that we experience? Paintings would look totally different if we could if we could actually um, experience the visual spectrum differently. So music would sound completely differently. Currently, human beings can only hear up to about twenty two thousand hertz. Um, you know, what if you could hear up to a hundred thousand hertz? I think bats can hear up to one hundred twenty five thousand hertz. You could literally have a whole new a genre of music, which exists outside of the current audible spectrum. Think about how crazy that is. Um, and all of these little examples just kind of go to show that a, 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 an advanced life form may, may be experiencing the same universe that we inhabit in a completely different way. And if it's so advanced, and again, bearing in mind, 100 years from the, from now in the future, we'll see mind blowing to us. 100 years. So what is it going to be like in 10,000 years, presuming we're still here? You know, we can't even really begin to imagine. So how would a life form that advanced even communicate with human beings? And is it possible that part of the way that they would communicate with human beings is to subtly implant knowledge into the human pop culture to make us aware of its existence? And if that is the case, it's a big if, I'm just speculating here, of course, certainly don't have any first-hand knowledge of this i wish i did It'd be fascinating but if that was the case it's worked hasn't it if that's really what's going on and ai has been really really gradually with no sense of urgency as we would understand it because they live forever you know as long as it repairs itself it doesn't have a concept of running out of time maybe if there is some plan to introduce what it looks like or at least what the what the displayed form of that intelligence is perhaps it is alien greys and the interactions that it's had with humanity over the last however many decades however many hundreds of years has subtly implanted that without overtly revealing itself um to the population um could that actually be a part of how an extremely advanced civilization would interact with us i suppose you know we just don't know you know it's impossible to imagine really how a civil an intelligence on that level why they would want to interact with us and how they would even go about doing that i mean it's all uh, fascinating to think about and uh, you know obviously a lot of that, that i've just talked about there are quite speculative and and quite um sort of you know just a, a stream of consciousness really but it's it's what i've been thinking about a lot and I used to do pods like this a lot back in the day, actually, early in the early days of the podcast. That was kind of actually the origin of the name UFO Thinker. It was supposed to just be my way of ranting about what I'm thinking about to do with UFOs. Um, I think a lot of people think that it means I'm some kind of great thinker on UFOs. It's certainly not what I intended at all. Um, it's literally just directly you know, what it says on the tin. If I'm thinking about stuff to do with UFO, UFOs, I'll, I'll talk about it and... Uh, uh yeah there we go you know it kind of snowballed from there but um certainly a lot of the things i've been thinking about there sat next to the christmas tree with my whiskey and you know i don't know i'm kind of hopeful that we might get at least some indications over this next year and beyond uh, about what what could be the case um with, with some of those those questions but you know we'll we'll wait and see how how it all progresses Uh, as as we move along and just going back to what we've been seeing within the ufo community the ufo sphere if you will um over the last few weeks i think it's kind of a continuation of what we've been seeing um the kind of the the reactions are brewing to the the ripping up of the legislation that we were also hopeful about earlier in 2023 we're still seeing the reactions to that unfold as we as as we go along and some of the in the initial reactions to that, such as Dave Grush's op-ed and, and a few other things uh, that are in the in the pipeline, haven't really come to fruition yet. And as always, I think when there's a bit of a, um, a relatively quiet time in terms of big events happening in the UFO world, um, there are those who wish to fill that gap with interesting sounding uh, stories about about certain things. And obviously... You know, we've seen a lot of that of this last couple of weeks. There's certainly been some, some uh, viral kind of UFO-related stories that I don't know. In some ways, I feel like they do more harm than good. And uh, there was this thing with uh, in Miami. I don't know if folks have been following it, but there was this. I guess you could call it a disturbance um, in a, in a mall and there were supposed gunshots heard and that uh, uh, which turned out, I think later on to just be fireworks, which were thrown by a group of teenagers who'd kind of had some kind of ruckus. And um, there, there were various uh, videos of a particular scene with uh, the police had actually arrived. And, and then there was what looked like a shadowy figure um, in in the footage and as it turned out i mean it's just very very blurry footage and it could be anything and obviously people started then to equate this situation with ufos and all various different kinds of old already debunked ufo videos and entity videos and there's one of some kind of weird like scorpion creature kind of walking across a road and things like that and all of which are uh, uh, openly admitted to being like a CGI project from a college somewhere and things like that, um, a deliberate hoax or, or just blurry misidentifications. But all of a sudden, all across social media, everything was about Miami aliens, you know, coming in this thing. And it literally was just a ruckus caused by some teenagers and then loads of people jumped on the bandwagon and started promoting already debunked clips. So these are the kinds of things that you see in the kind of relative lulls within the ufo community and over the years now you know i've got a few more gray hairs in my beard than i did when i first started the podcast i've been doing this now for a little while um i i I perhaps i definitely don't consider myself like a a long an old timer or sort of like og or anything like that but i've been doing this for a few years and certainly seen a lot of this kind of thing happen in the past and you do start to notice a trend and you know there's a huge story that comes out and there is you know i suppose the silver lining here is that when these big stories come out and there is this kind of lull afterwards and people are craving some some new information it just underlines the the public interest in this stuff you know it really underlines the fact that people are you know looking for answers and unfortunately there is that aspect of social media where if you're looking for something there's always people who are there to tell you that they've got all the answers to whatever it is you're looking for um, and I think that that's that definitely what goes on with these kinds of things you know people uh, try specifically to get engagement on social media because you can get paid for doing that you know so people specifically craft tweets and you know or posts whatever they're called these days on X um, I keep referring to it as Twitter apologies if anybody's cringing for my uh back in the day terminology uh, but yeah um, on, across all various social medias there's, there's always people who are looking to drive engagement and that kind of thing for their own gain and of course uh, a topic like this has a lot of public interest it's one of the things that people are absolutely fascinated by and um, despite Various kind of naysayers uh, claiming to the contrary is something that the public are massively interested in. It's just it's still got that big amount of stigma involved. You know, people are kind of ashamed to say that they're interested in this topic, unless it's strictly in the in the context of a joke about little green men or an interest in sci-fi. That's changing. Obviously, we are seeing that change quite a lot now, um, underlined by the fact that there's a, a, you know, what looks like a group of Wall Street, you know, investors. Uh, very interested in Dave Grush's account of what he saw on the inside within the U.S. government about UFOs. So that's kind of a, an indication in, in and of itself. And things like the Sol Foundation, all of these academics and top scientists getting together to discuss this topic and to hear more information about this topic. Um, it's all, yeah, a, a good indications that that things things are changing. And you know, at the end of the day, they follow the money, as they say. You know, people who who are actually in positions to invest in new technologies are very interested in all of this and and what actually could be there you know people who are leading scientists are interested about a new frontier potentially here uh, to look into and and could expand our knowledge of the universe so things are definitely changing but at the same time you know there are still kind of unfortunate aspects um, and i think you know there was some of that going on here with the miami ufo incident and whatnot um but you know hopeful for what we're going to see this year it's a bit of a strange one as we talked about in in the end of 2023 where there's not really a clear path forward and i think that's still the same at this point it's quite hard to predict where we're going to go next um but still i think at some point in january um We're probably going to see this article from uh, from Dave Grush. We might see some more information about this conference that he supposedly spoke at. Uh, Obviously, um, the various um, American politicians who are outraged at the previous legislation being torn to pieces at the last minute are going to be um, plotting behind the scenes what the pushback is going to be. Of course, you have to remember as well a lot of people don't actually finish uh, festive holidays until sort of like you know what, like sixth, seventh of January in some cases. So that would mean that there's not really been a lot of direct progress from the American political side of things. um, And that, is probably about to change in the coming weeks as people get back to their offices and start thinking about what they can do as a reaction so it's going to be interesting i've got some uh, interviews lined up over the next couple of months so make sure you you keep your your eye out for those there should be some very interesting conversations had uh, not done many interviews uh, for uh, for a little while actually now and um, so it'd be good to get some of those going And uh, looking forward to some interesting chats, uh, some more information coming out over the course of this year. So uh, I'll leave it there for today. Hopefully you enjoyed that slightly different format to what I've been doing over the last year or so. But I thought it'd be good to get this one in there. Um, And if you've been listening around till this time of the podcast, you're obviously a hardcore listener of the show. So thank you very much uh, for sticking around. You've obviously enjoyed it, which is the main thing. That's what I like. Uh, to, to imagine people enjoy listening and um, at the end of 2023 i really loved getting those messages from people saying where you listen to the pod so do feel free to to always get in touch thinker at hotmail.com if anybody's got any interesting personal ufo uh, accounts as well thinker at protonmail.com is a secure email address if you want to send me any videos uh, always interesting to check out or any accounts of things that you've seen. I've heard some really fascinating ones um over the years. And yeah, um back again soon. I hope you take it easy, stay curious, and I'll catch you in the next episode. UFO Thinker Podcast.